What's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, and coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studio, and I've got Kyle, my boy, back from Cubs Live. You can find him on Twitter, at Cubs underscore live. Kyle, what is going on, man? Man, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, A lot of baseball to talk about this time. Dude, a ton of baseball stuff. First, man, I just want to congratulate you, man. I saw on your Twitter, man, 9,000 diehard Cub followers. Man, congratulations to that. Appreciate that. A uh, little milestone I've been wanting to achieve, but uh, I wanna I wanna break some more followers. So, dude, that's, uh, that's huge, man. Like, has it just been a blast talking Cubs baseball and getting all this stuff? Like, anytime you post something on Twitter and I see people like talking Cubs baseball, like it makes me happy. And I'm not even the creator of it, man. So, yeah, uh, it's it's cool having people you know interact and getting that feedback and traction, man. It's cool when people you know, are giving you a conversation and talking productively Cubs baseball. So it's it's been a blast covering the Cubs on Cubs Live, and I'm super excited to see what the future holds. Indeed, man. All right, well, let's get this thing going. Um, okay, so you I, – I love having you on the show, man, because you cover Cubs 24-7, and I say it over and over again. You get me ready for the season. I know what's going on. Um, whether your post and every conversation we have. And what seems like the hot topic right now coming out of Cub Spring Training is the damage that Ian Happ is producing at the plate. Now, he had a phenomenal year last year. If if I'm not mistaken, he got to 20 home runs even quicker than what Kyle Schwarber did. And that's yeah. saying a lot because Kyle was sending baseballs to Mars um, that was in 2015, and that was such a huge year. And then you've got Ian Happ, um, who's a better defender. You know, Kyle's going to look great this year, of course, but Ian Happ, he's a great defender. He can play second. He can play center, probably every outfield position. And he's a switch hitter, too, which is real valuable, which, um, you know, I always want to draw the analogy with, like, him and Dexter Fowler, kind of with that, like, yep. you go, we go mentality because they can both play center field and they're switch hitters, but Ian has a lot more um, – Power, but Albert Almora, I believe, has had a really good spring training this year as well. And kind of what I wanted to ask you about with my first question is you've got Albert Almora, who's got stellar defense. He's airtight in the outfield. And then, of course, Ian Happ with his big bat coming out right now. And at the moment, I don't think Jason Hayward is having a very productive spring training. I know he might be batting like low 100s, I believe. I haven't checked it in a few days. And I, I don't hold a lot of like what goes into spring training because I know a lot of times it's just like guys trying stuff out. But my question to you is what's this outfield look like every day? I know the Cubs are probably not, they would never want to maybe bench Jason Hayward a lot because you know, this is a guy making $27 million a year and he's like your big free agent signing. Nobody doubts the leadership capability that Jason Hayward has see Game 7 2016 World Series and just everything he does with young players coming up. But what do you think this looks like? Is there ever a time where Jason Hayward plays a secondary role to Almora and Hap in the outfield, do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a real possibility there. Hayward, this spring, he's batting a 143, so he's struggling just like he did the past two seasons. So it's going to be a tough decision for Joe Madden to sit both Albert Almora and Ian Hap for a guy like Jason Hayward who continues to struggle offensively. I mean, look, you have the best of both worlds with Ian Happ and Almora. Half mm-hmm. the guy who will hit 280, drive runs in, 
hit for a lot of power. And he also hit 24 homers last year in his rookie season while only playing 115 games. Then you have Almora, who's a defensive wizard out there and a guy who is finding himself at the plate, especially versus righties. I know he struggled previously, but he's finding himself versus righties. And that's only going to get better as, you know, he gets playing time. And that's what he's, you know, the, his service time is really playing himself. So two young guys right now with promising futures. I think Joe's best option would be Almora Jr. in center field and Ian Happ in right field if it were to come down to it. I think Almora can cover a lot of ground in center field and Happ's a fast guy, like you said, too, if he leaves mm-hmm. up. So um, two great guys in the outfield. And it's, it's causes the concern of where do you draw the line of benching Hayward because you have two guys who are very young. They need playing time to get better to – set in as an MLB player and get in the 162 grind. But where do you draw that line of, you know, benching Hayward? You're one of your biggest season, one of your biggest signings in Cubs history, really, with the contract. He got 180 mil for eight years or something crazy like that, you know? Where do you draw that line? And I know uh, Joe Madden's a guy with matchups. So I think it really just comes down to who fits the best in that given day versus that given pitcher. Yeah, I actually want to ask you something. You said something really interesting. So Albert Almore has always struggled against righties. Is that correct? Yeah. Is yep. is he hitting him better this spring? Well, well, the thing about it is, is last year, he, I mean, when we say struggle, that's kind of a vague term because yeah. he batted two seventy. He batted two seventy versus righties, and that's pro- that was better than Jason Hayward's lefty and righty. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I mean, he he just needs more playing time. He's he's getting a better look at the ball. I know he went, I think, zero for thirteen this spring. Uh, to start off, but he's, since then he's hit two bombs, two yeah, major yeah. bombs. You know, he's scoring runs, so the production's getting there. It's just kind of letting him get that time in the outfield and at the plate to really settle himself in. Yeah, because what I was getting at is, like, I'm going to turn myself into an armchair expert right now as I sit here and talk podcasts, but I'm very adamant about how, like, in today's game of baseball, platooning players is real heavy, so, like, if, if a guy can't hit lefties well – Everyone knows it, so you get benched that day, right, if you're that player. And I feel like at some point that might affect, like, the player's mentality of, well, I just can't hit lefties, and that's just never going to be my thing. And just what you said about getting out more and more playing time, I like him getting more playing time and just Joe and co. giving him the opportunity to hit every type of pitching and putting him in that role more often. And as far as the Hayward thing – He's such a good – he won a gold glove over Yasiel Puig last year, and his defense was out of control. And that's how good of a defender Jason Hayward is. And I know the first time Ian haps out in right field and drops a fly ball, fans are going to be like, well, Hayward would have caught that <laughs> ball. You know what I mean? And like, that's right. going to happen. Yeah. But then that goes both ways too because if Hayward strikes out in a clutch moment, someone's going to be like, well, you know, Ian Happ could have done that too. But, I mean, right. I'm kind of like you, man. I don't know – where Theo and Jed and Joe like draw that line of like, what do we do with Jason Hayward? Because in one hand you're like, well, we're spending the money on him, so we should play him, but because exactly. he's such a good leader. But at some point, you gotta let this young team lead. And I, I think my thought of it right now is, I Jason Hayward is one of my all was one of my favorite Cubs. Man, I love the way he talks baseball. Um, I love his effort. Man, his his defense is unbelievably exciting to watch. Um, I, I remember the one time he, like, dislocated his shoulder a couple of years ago, like, smacking into, like, center field or something like that. And, uh, dude, yeah. he, he's selfless, man. Like, the guy could play football. He doesn't care to take a hit. But I guess at 100%. some point long term, you know, if um, – I don't know how old Hayward is off the top of my head. He's probably 
a little over 30 or close to it, I guess. Um, just putting those oh, young guys like, wait, what? He's 26 or 27. Hayward's yeah, only 27. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's just as old as Anthony Rizzo. That's I didn't know they're a few days apart. Unbelievable. And it's crazy that yeah, he okay. can't hit for power because Jason Hayward's like 6'2", 240. I feel like he's a huge guy. Right, he's a big guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, now he's 28. So, I mean, him and him and Rizzo are right there hand in hand. I know Jason Hayward feels yeah. like a veteran. You know, He's been in the league since, what, 2012? He was one of those guys like Harper. He came up when he was like 19, like a stud rookie. Yeah, he, he's been um, in the league for a long time. But at the same time, like, I like to speculate on, like, what this outfield might look like, but I am no way down and out on Jason Hayward because he's such a gifted natural athlete. I just don't believe that he's going to have this eight-year contract with the Cubs and slump offensively the majority of the time. I just, you can't talk me into it, man. I won't believe it. No, and I think you're absolutely right. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I thought we were going to get, you know, the guy like we saw in the Cardinals playing him versus the NL, NLBS in 2015. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, we got our Chili Davis, one of the best hitting coaches in all of baseball. So he's been working with Hayward. So maybe, hopefully, you know, this year we will see some improvement. Maybe it's not going to be a drastic, you know, go from 230 to 280. But, you know, if he can get, hit 270, 265, you know, somewhere up there and yeah. take his walks – you know, drive some guys in and come through once in a while. I mean, it's baby steps. It's climbing the ladder. So, I mean, I'll take whatever at this point, I think. Yeah, as long as – I would just love to see him just – I feel like last year he had more hard-hit balls than he did the previous year because you would always see yeah. Hayward, I guess, getting on Get top right. of the ball and hitting soft grounders or getting under it, having, like, weak pop flies or something like that. And if he'll just start driving the ball, statistically, like, that, his numbers are just going to go up at that point. And if he can just – figure out to, like, you know, hit harder balls, maybe hit some more line drives. Heck, yeah, if he's a guy that can bat 250 and hit 18, 19, if he hit 20 home runs and batted 250, I'd be like, that's your guy, you know, because his defense is so stall. His defense is so good, he just saves runs. It's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Man, what do I want to go into next? Okay, man, I had this written down in my notes. Is there any one player you can think of on this team that may completely shock the crap out of us in 2018 that's on the Cubs roster right now or might be a prospect coming up? Is there anyone you can think of that might be that guy? Yeah, and I think for the as minor leagues go, David Bodie, he's going to be a great utility guy in the future. He can play anywhere, really, mid-infield, mid third base, in the outfield. He's played the most spring training games so far on the Cubs, and he's had mm-hmm. the most at-bats on this team and he's making the best out of it. 278 batting average, six RBIs, a few homers. He's also put together a great season last year in Tennessee with the Smokies, along with the Arizona Fall League. And he's a guy making a name for himself this spring when his, you know, his time is called on. And if he isn't on your radar, he should be now because last year he had a good season in A. So he's only going to climb the ladder, and who knows? You know, Maybe in a few years we'll see him in the mix, maybe being a utility guy, see where these young guys go. And he might be a guy to be under radar. But obviously, if you had to look at a few prospects right now, David Bodie in spring training this year has had one heck of a year, along with uh, Freeman. Freeman's been another guy, too. He's batting high average. Uh, we saw him last year come up in September, play a few games at shortstop. Oh, yeah, okay, really I've heard that guy before, yeah. Yeah, he's been putting together quite the spring training as well, you know. He's a guy who's batting 500. Uh, 28 at-bats, 14 hits, 
you know, eight RBIs, one homer. So he's another guy too, and an OPS of what, 1300. So, I mean, he, he's another guy too, just climbing the ladder. As far as major league goes, I think the easy one to say is Ian Happ for obvious, obvious reasons. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is going to be a huge shock, but I think we haven't even seen the best of Ian Happ, how good of a player he is. You know, he put together such a great rookie season last year, but people have better rookie seasons better than him, like Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger, superstars yeah. like that. So he kind of gets lost in the mix, but he's only going to get better just like this young core. He's he's going to, I think, have a breakout season, get a lot of playing time in the outfield and at second base. Mm-hmm. This spring he's dominated. Like we've already talked that leadoff role. We've been looking for a leadoff hitter, and it feels like Ian Happ is going to sit there. 391 average this year, OPS over 1,500. Four homers, eight RBIs, a triple to go, a triple to go along with it. I think you're going to get a real good season out of Ian Happ, and he's someone to be excited for. And another person that I thought think too, maybe someone under the radar like Tyler Chatwood. And I know a lot of people are hyped up on him, but I don't think these Cubs fans know how good this guy is. And to have him as our fit is even better. And this spring, his stat line: three games, two and zero, one point five ERA, six innings, three strikes. He's the type of guy to emerge in the staff and on this Cubs team. I think the Cubs fans are going to really be surprised with the production you get out of Tyler Chatwood. Dude, I'm so excited right now with everything you just said. Like, I got the biggest, cheesiest grin on my face right now. David Bodie, that's not even a name I think I've heard a lot about. I think maybe he came up on my MLB app for hitting, like, maybe a monster home run a couple days ago. I think I've, like, vaguely seen the name. Um, that's crazy, dude. And yeah, Tyler Chatwood, man, I think you're right on that. Those spring training stats you just threw out there are bonkers. And I know he's yeah. pitched at Coors Field for like ever. And I feel like that's just him like lifting weights out there. And then now he's like coming to like Chicago and it's just going to like blow by guys. Um, Absolutely. dude, that makes I mean, me so happy. I mean, look, Theo took a chance on him. He saw something and he's proven himself right now. So Tyler Chatwood, to have him as your fifth man, I, there's no, there's no complaining. This staff is good. Like this staff is real good. And I don't think Cubs fans understand that. And I know we'll probably talk about this a little later, the Arietta deal that just happened earlier today, but you know, having you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood to come replace those roles between Arietta and Lackey, dude, we got, we got some upgrades here. We got some upgrades. So, yeah. Uh, there's no worry within this staff at all. We have guys under control. I know that was a huge part of last year. Oh, my God, what are we going to do this offseason? You know, we don't guys got, you know, John Lackey's leaving us, Jake Arrieta. Theo did what he did, traded midseason, got a guy like, you know, um, you or not you, Darvish. Quintana. Um, Quintana, sorry, yeah. thank you. I'm 24-7, I can't even think of the name. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, we got Quintana through trade controlled the young star we got darvish we got tyler chatwood without touching this young core and the best part about it was we didn't lose draft picks we gained yeah. draft picks yeah. from you know so i mean the ceo and company have done their thing they they know what it's like they know what it's like to you know put together a world series team and you're you're looking at another contender right here yeah, and you're what one thing you said that is key to this whole thing is them keeping their young core. They've added all these pieces to the team and they still are too good to play all of their good position players every game. Like they have an overabundance of guys still right now. And even you throwing out a guy like David Bodie out and you're like, man, that's a guy coming up who batted two eighty and hit some home runs like in double A. Like and then you look at Ian Happ and Albert Almora, and then you've got Jason Hayward over here, like it's just like you're playing Monopoly, but you have all the money. Like, I don't know what's happening. It's yeah. awesome. Um, Absolutely. I mean, 
we have so much depth within this team. I mean, David Bodie's a guy last year in Tennessee, double A, he had 272, 14 homers, 59 RBIs. And get this, he start. you know, he only played 127 games. So, I mean, really the sky's the limit for another guy like him. So Theo and Jed have done their homework. They know what it's like, how to draft people, how to build the core and young guys are just keep on climbing the ladder as well. Yeah, I mean, their process seems to be working perfect because I know in the book that Tom Verducci wrote, The Cubs Way, he had talked about how, like, Theo's never been the type of guy to draft pitchers. He'll kind of always trade for him and move for him and stuff like that, and he's always going to, like, invest those picks in his time, like, in position players, and it seems to work out perfectly because as the team sits right now, they've got arguably the best pitching staff in all of baseball, and then still... This young core of studs, which now takes me to what Dallas Keuchel said. I'm going to turn left here real quick. Dallas Keuchel said last week that we, um, we're we not going to have a World Series hangover and we're not the Cubs. Now, to me, when I read that, that seems like the craziest thing to me in the world because the Cubs had a great pitching staff still last year. They got a little tired at the end and a great offense and still have this young core of players. Can you believe Dallas Keuchel said this? I'm losing my mind over here with this. Yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I kind of had to read it twice. You know, I think that these guys are trained and supposed to think that, you know, we have the best team. We got the best players and why not? Why not think that, you know, Wilson Contreras is a guy who said he's going to beat out Buster Posey and Yadier Molina, probably guys that have 10 all-star games, a lot of gold gloves within those guys, but you know, he has that confidence. But as far as Dallas Keuchel said about, you know, his comments towards the Cubs and the hangover year, the, the problem I have with that is that he's correlating uh, hangover year with the position players. You can have great position players, but they can also get plagued, and it doesn't define a team. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they that had no correlation. And if he's talking about a hangover for a year for the Cubs, man, if ninety you know ninety two wins and three trips to the NLCS is a hangover year, I guess I'll take a hangover year every year. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just he was just talking. I know, and that's the thing with media it gets a little blown out of yeah. proportion, but. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a guy who's really confident in his players, and rightfully so. I just had a little, little problem with the hangover correlation to, you know, the Cubs because we're not the Cubs. You know, we're not going to have a hangover year, and we got the best players. I just don't think those all three of those things really match up. Yeah, dude, I took it as, like, the biggest, the biggest compliment in the world for the team yeah. you root for because I'm like – because in, in the back of my head, I'm like – yeah, the offense can definitely like play a lot better. And then when I look at the stats, like the two key stats that I found were like, well, the Cubs were fourth in runs and sixth in OPS in the whole entire league of baseball, AL included. And I'm like, holy crap, they could be really good this year. Because in 2016, I mean, they mowed over the entire league front to back. So I guess it's just like the biggest compliment because like, you like you said you win 92 games and suffer like a world series hangover like okay i guess maybe they expected the cubs to win 110 so we'll see what happens this year exactly um um, man what do we want to talk there's so much dude i don't know if i can stop talking man um okay okay dude let's dude i'm so excited for opening day listen so i started this podcast at the very tail end of last season so opening day last year i wasn't recording anything i know as soon as the season starts like my boss might fire me and just be like get the hell out of here because i can't stop doing baseball stuff at my computer at work she's gonna be like dude i can't deal with this 
Uh, I can't exactly. wait till the whole thing starts, man. That night, the 29th of that night, we got to have a podcast talking about opening day, my man. Oh, I'm taking that whole day off, man. I'm calling in sick or taking a sick day or something like that. So all day Thursday, <laughs> like I'm off of work. I got vacation for Thursday and Saturday's, uh, you know, you Darvish's debut. So, oh. you know, opening day night, if you want to talk, if you want to talk some baseball after opening day, man, I'm, I'm all yours. We yeah, can yeah. talk baseball for hours yeah. and hours. I'll be – yeah, dude, I can too, man. I'll be uh, totally free, dude. But we've got to, man. It's a sad day, kind of. Um, this whole Jake Arrieta thing kind of kicked in when you Darvish signed because as soon as you Darvish signed, you're like – Okay, so like Jake Arrieta is like officially out, but tonight yeah. three years, seventy five million dollars. So on opening day, he's gonna wear a Philadelphia Phillies uniform. Yeah, I know it's you know it's just been a pleasure to watch Jake and for him to break the curse with the Cubs. He'll always be a Cub no matter what, and I oh, wish yeah. the best for him in Philadelphia because he's going to a team that's entering the ending stages of their rebuild. So mm-hmm. he's going to be a big instrumental piece for that team, just like John Lester was for us in back in 2015. You know, the Phillies are getting a really good, really good pitcher, and I think it all worked out on both sides. Jake got paid. We got Darvish, like you said, and I don't think there's no hard feelings at all there. So no. I wish the best for Arietta and his family as they enter in each other in their life and his career. But, man, how dominant was he for the Cubs? It was a, such a pleasure. I've never – dude, that 2015 second half, one of the best stretches I've ever seen in the MLB, and I think that anyone has ever seen in the MLB. Let me – you posted this, actually. I, I did. If you've got time. it in front of you, read it, man, because I had a buddy That's, send me that at the very time. beginning of 2016, and I still had it in my phone. Let me run these by you. In a 25-start stretch, he was 20-1. and 20-1. and one. Uh, uh, ERA at 0.86. <laughs> Batters were only hitting a .149 against him, and he threw two. <laughs> the guy didn't even get one. Some people don't even get one. He no. threw two no-hitters in that 25-start stretch. So, I mean, numbers speak for itself. He he was a special player, and I think we saw the best of a Jake Arrieta that you'll ever see. And really, one of the best Cubs pitchers in history is the things he actually accomplished. Oh, yeah, and that one loss? Do you know when he lost? It was, Man, when, I, it was when Cole Hamels no pitched hitter. a no-hitter. No hitter. It took a no-hitter no to beat hitter. him. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah. You're right, honestly. I totally forgot about that. <sighs> that was a day at Wrigley, too. Yeah, that was the one game he lost was a stinking no-hitter. And, like, that was I think this thing does work out for both sides because a change of scenery when you've been in a place for so long I think is important. So you, Darvish, is going to yeah. benefit from, like, a change of scenery, and so is Jake Arrieta. And – Jake Arrieta is built for the job he just took with the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies have, I don't know all their like up-and-coming pitchers or prospect pitchers, but they've got Aaron Nola, who's pitched pretty good. they got a guy named Sixto Sanchez, who apparently is like a stud prospect coming up. And then they've got another guy that I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But they've got guys that have the ability to pitch – really well and get close to 200 innings so you have like a lot of young raw talent there and to get a guy like Jake Arietta, my favorite thing about Arietta and the thing he's going to instill in that clubhouse when he's hanging out with the pitchers is his confidence his confidence never wavers it's always there no matter what when you watch him pitch on the mound it's the same look he's got ice in his veins 
and he's cutthroat, right? Like point to the 2015 Pittsburgh Pirates when that Pirates fan tweeted like, get ready for a sea of black, you're going down. And Arietta tweets back like, hey, whatever helps you uh, get through the day or whatever, but just know it doesn't matter. And that's the greatest tweet in the whole entire world. But that's what this area, that's what Arietta does, man. He's got the playoff experience. He's got the World Series experience and he's built for this. And this is a phenomenal move for the Phillies. I um I can't wait to watch him succeed over there. I think he'll pitch really well. I think he's in a good environment. Gabe Kapler is a stellar coach. The um, yep. just the environment and to hear him talk like it is so like magnetic. And you know I think he's really going to build a team where the players get behind him. And I also have two tickets in June. The Cubs tickets I bought. They play the Phillies. Yep. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. yeah. Game. Arietta comes back because there's going to be. So much, you know, celebration, you know, I know it's bittersweet to see this come all to an end, but he's going to get so many handful of, you know, standing ovation video. And it's going to be a real nice time when we see him come back at Wrigley. And I know a lot of Cubs fans are kind of dreading it because he's beloved in Chicago, but I think, you know, as one chapter ends, another opens and it's okay. Sometimes you have to say goodbye. You know, this is a business, this is business, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just just Jake Arrieta, what he's done for the Cubs has been huge. He, he won 68 games for us through 2013 to 2017. Won a Cy Young, the first one since Greg, you know, Greg Maddox in 92. Um, yeah. I mean, just the list goes on. I mean, he won two, two World Series games, one of the two of the most clutch ones in game six to force that game seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a big-time pitcher when the spot is called on. So much grit that comes with Jake Arrieta. So, like you said, the Phillies are getting a real good guy to go along with their young core. And I couldn't be more happy for Jake. And I know I just am really thankful for the times we did spend with Jake Arrieta. Because if you were to tell me that Jake Arrieta would, you know, six years ago, I wouldn't even know who you were talking about. Because he was a nobody on the Orioles at some point. But, you know, his transformation, his work ethic, everything else is grit. He's really, you know, surfaced himself as a great player in this league. Yeah, I he mean, he, 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 was, he, he was struggling so bad. Like, I mean, he might have been pretty close to just, like, quitting baseball. I mean, because when you're a 27-year-old who at one point was a top 100 prospect with, with a wife and a family and you're getting sit down to AAA because your ERA is six and a half. Um, yeah. But funny story, though. So I bought a pack of baseball cards the other day, and the very last card in the pack was a Scott Feldman pack. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> Scott Feldman was in that Orioles trade. <laughs> and I was like, yep. Scott, I was like, that's my guy. And Pedro and Strope Steve too, Clevenger. man. Dude, yeah. Steve Clevenger. Dude, that is crazy, man. But even Pedro Strope, yeah, man, has been a stud. He hasn't – and you told me this, man, I think a month ago. He hasn't had a season with the Cubs over a three-earned run average. Yeah, he's, he's been a real stud for us. Yeah. He's been a really good guy in our bullpen, and he, he's, he's really overlooked, I think. So he is, uh, man. I've, really, yeah. Another good trade by, you know, Theo. So, yeah. But I'll never forget, and I'll tell you this that 2015 wild card game, me and my wife, when we were Favorite dating, game. we were in a bar watching it. And that is one of the funnest games I've ever watched, man. He just dominated like a four hitter complete game. And then, um, I th- the outside of game seven, that's the funnest game I've ever watched. Is that 2015 oh, absolutely. wild card? 100% for me. Because, you know, we- we came into the 2015 season with high hopes, but I don't think anyone projected us with 97 wins. And to, I mean, we won 97 no. wins and we were the, the second wild card because the two better teams were in our division. Oh yeah. So 
so when it came down to the Pirates, you know, I think everyone after that game really, it really showed us that w- this is our time to win. And for Jake Arrieta to set the tone and do what he did, he even got hit during that game. I remember that, yeah. Dude, I, I, I have never, I, like you said, other, outside other than maybe game six of the 2016 NLCS, game seven of the World Series, that has, one, has to be one of the best games I've ever seen just because it was so intense and the, you know, the environment was just so hostile too. So, man, Jake Arrieta showed up big time. And that's what the Phillies are going to get. You know, they're on the verge of maybe getting a wild card. Uh, yeah, maybe, I think they you know, are, yeah. Getting somewhere in the, yeah, so, you know, getting somewhere in the playoffs. And Jake Arrieta, you know his playoff history. You know, he has oh, yeah. great starts. Each start, you know, he, he's a grinder, and that's what the Phillies are going to get. So, yet again, I'm very happy for Jake Arrieta. And some of the best games the Cubs have ever won has come from him. Yeah, his playoff record's always been stellar. What's he has iffy stuff that happens to him in the World Series sometimes, but he's uh he's never really faltered <clears throat> in the postseason. I mean, he ran into a buzzsaw in twenty sixteen with Daniel Murphy, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, he's winning World Series games and all that stuff. What do we Absolutely. want to talk about now, man? Hmm. Well, let's talk about Dylan Maples. Let's talk about Dylan Maples. Let's let's do that. Let's talk about. I read. Okay, so I read a really uh, funny article. Apparently, Dylan Maples is like a reader. He reads a ton, and he's like a war history buff. Man, he says that he says he, that. he says he reads an hour to two hours every day. And the first person I thought of was the catcher on Major League. You know, who like yep. he gets the yep. yips and he can't throw back to the pitcher. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. He's like the tropical flowery bra that embraces your real curves. Also available in matching crotchless panties. And he throws the ball back to the guy. And so, and I was, I was reading a little bit about Dylan Maples because, so he caught me last year because I'd heard about this guy who all of a sudden had this stellar season in double A and triple A. Maybe he pitched a little bit in high A too. Uh, struck out like a hundred guys, like in 60 something innings. And it's got like all of a sudden like dialing in his fastball because it seemed like this guy's problem was like a control issue where he was like walking guys nonstop and just couldn't do it. And then, so I had recognized the name. And then when he got called up last year, like he's someone like I really wanted to watch and to hear Joe Madden talk about it. It's kind of one of those situations to where he's got, I think a pretty filthy breaking ball. Um, it looks like it moves. That's what it, it's what it is. It's a slider and it looks disgusting. And even Joe Madden's been kind of like his slider finds enough of the plate to where if he can dial in his fastball, you're, you're, you got a good pitcher on your hands. What do you think of Dylan Maples? Yeah. Dylan Maples, like you said, he's been on a lot of guys radar, like yours, mine, every couple fan, you know, a strong, nasty slider who will fool a ton of hitters. If he's right. That's the thing though. If he's right, he's had a ton of control issues when he came up last year for a little stint in the majors, you know, he showed off his slider though. So there's a lot of promising within him, you know, but he's still having control issues this spring training. Uh, last, last night actually versus the Dodgers, he gave up three runs, a walk and a homer. I think a two run mm-hmm. homer. So last year in Iowa though, he had a 1.96 ERA. So there's a lot of promising, promising features within him. He just needs to settle in and find himself because the tools are there all there. It's just, you know, using them efficiently into the best ability to put the Cubs in a winning position. And he just, you know, I think that just comes with time as well. You just got to, you know, really settle in your, that bullpen spot. Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys that I'm rooting for because I know whatever piece I read on him last year, he kind of, and like this stuff, 
I it always attracts me to it, man, because I love the stories behind baseball. And like when you get a guy who's kind of like real down and out about the thing, then all of a sudden like just finds it like that to me is the most like motivating motivating thing in the world from like a personal standpoint like i love to see people succeed that like really bit the bottom because that's just such an exciting like underdog story when you see this guy come up but there's also something very exciting about a guy that just throws heat and like sometimes he's got it and sometimes he doesn't like that's very like major league-esque you know what i mean because like the suspense of like is he gonna just like throw it to the backstop or is he gonna strike some guys out and to me man like He's the one guy that I'm looking for this season that I, I'm just hoping he has a good year just because, man, I just want to see the guy succeed. I really do. Um, there's a great yeah, baseball story behind too. it. Yeah, I do too. You know, we kind of are sitting here with one bull spot, bullpen spot open. So it kind of causes concern. Does Dylan Maple slide in there? Does Justin Grimm get it? And I think you're going to see Justin Grimm get that in the start of the season. Not that I agree with it, but Grimm's out of mm-hmm. options right now. Because if he if he ah. doesn't make the team, I don't know where his career really lands up after that. So I think if you're going to see Grimm struggle the first month or two, I think you're going to see Dylan Maple get called up and him DFA'd. I mean, we're at that point with Grimm. So I think that yeah. Dylan Maples is a guy with a good story behind him, and I'm rooting for him just like you are. And, you know, when you're explaining that underdog story, it kind of reminded me of David Ross, a guy who has battled a lot of concussions, almost called quits on his career, mm-hmm. came over with the Cubs to John Lester because John Lester, you know, kind of convinced Theo and Jed to, you know, get this deal going. Went, yeah. went with the Cubs, and the, the rest is history. He ended his career walking off Jason Hayward and Anthony Rizzo's shoulder after hitting mm-hmm. Game 7 home run, one of the biggest home runs he'll ever hit in his career. So, just underdog stories like that. I love it. So I'm, I'm rooting for Dylan Maples on the side as a player. You know, just overall, I think Dylan Maples is going to be a great, maybe even a future closer for the Cubs. Who knows? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, do you think this team ever goes, speaking of pitching, is there any point in this season the Cubs run a six-man rotation with Mike Montgomery? Have you done any research on that? <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually talked about that a little bit on Cubs Live, you know, running a six-man rotation yeah. i know when guys like lance lynn was getting that one-year deal for like six million or something so low you know i was thinking you know maybe there's a possibility the cubs have like 13 million luxury taxes left maybe there's a chance that if Arietta's going to go really low that maybe theo does call him for a one-year deal and yeah. come back and have a rotation but i mean you have a possibility there to do it to give you the strong five guys to rest and that's always a great thing come October, but the Cubs could explore it maybe sometime in September to, you know, give those guys an extra day rest and preparation for the playoffs. Mike Montgomery, like you said, is the guy to do so. So having that depth is great no matter if an injury comes up midseason or even if, like, a six-man rotation actually becomes a thing. That that depth that Mike Montgomery really holds is a great thing. And it seems like this spring he's really handling it well as in understanding his role. He understands that, the Cubs are pretty set with what they got, you know, Lester, Quintana, Darvish, Hendricks, and Chatwood. But he he's taking it like a champ, and I'm very glad. I know he probably personally uh, really wants that starting role, but he, you know, he's he's a team player, so that's all you can ask for. But I do think a six man rotation, maybe in sometime in September, is not the best, not the best, you know, not the worst thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me really happy that you said that about Mike Montgomery because I honestly didn't know where he was at because I know over the winter he had said like he wanted to be a starter and then obviously with like you Darvish and Chatwood coming in that wasn't going to happen but that's good to hear that he's pretty much on board with his role on the team um, because for one you want a guy to be in a good position like 
personally, right, to really, like, enjoy playing for the team. But also, like, he's such a valuable weapon out of the bullpen because that's a guy that can give you multiple innings. Like, if you have a starter um, kind of tank out on you early or if you have a starter that gets hurt. But, yeah, maybe that's what the Cubs do is, you know, go to a six-man towards the back end of the season because I can't – because I know the Cubs had a really good bullpen last year, but they kind of – got a little tired, I guess, towards like the end of the season. And so I just don't know where that line is. And I guess Joe's Joe and um pitching coach. I why do I always forget his name? Jim Hickey. Thank Jim you. Hickey. Jim Hickey. Um Joe and Jim are gonna find like that line of like because you don't want to pitch like the starters too much and like them tank out kind of like as the postseason starts, but you also don't want to put your bullpen in a bind because it seems like when you get to the playoffs these days your bullpen is so much more important because then you don't want your starters to, uh, you know, go through the lineup more than three times. So you got to have a fresh pen, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. I guess if they do it, that's good. But dude, I'm so glad to hear that Montgomery's not mad. I thought he was going to be mad at everybody cause he's not going to start, but I heard somewhere that he might start, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't be surprised. He'll probably end up starting about 10 games during the season or something like that. But, Oh, I believe that. Um, I mean, injuries happen too. It's a long grind. Yeah. These pitchers be taking a lot of toll on their arms. So, I mean, you always got to prepare for that. And having a Mike, Mike, Mike Montgomery in the bullpen is a guy who can step up in that role if that it's needed. So um, yeah. a lot of good things, too, within that. So um, good job on the Cubs for keeping Montgomery this offseason. Oh, for sure. And, you know, one of the things I just thought of now, I'm super excited for Kyle Hendricks to see if he stays healthy all year and how close he gets to 200 innings. Because last year he only pitched – Maybe 140 or 150, I don't know, but his numbers were still stellar. And I'm super excited yeah. to see if Kyle can get to that 200-inning mark with just really good numbers. Because um, I think he would have done it last year, and it'll be just awesome to see it this year because at some point, and I think we had talked about this a couple weeks ago, that that baton's going to get passed from Lester to Kyle at some point, and Kyle's going to be like a long-term guy for this team and probably maybe the number one of the future. Yeah, he he actually pitched 139 innings last year. That's all so, it was, yeah. Uh, I mean, Joe Madden has a really short leash, leash with Kyle Hendricks. Uh, he doesn't like him to go past the fifth inning, maybe. So I think that, you know, Kyle Hendricks really is coming. You know, he's going to be 28 this season. So he's becoming a professional pitcher who can go that inning. He's, his fastball is increasing a little more velocity this spring. I know last year everyone's velocity was down because of two long seasons. Mm -hmm. But this, I know a lot of people didn't like how we ended in the NLCS. But, I mean, if you're looking at it from a third-eye view, it's probably a blessing that we didn't go all that long way because who knows what happened in this season with these pitchers. So they got a little extra rest. So Kyle Hendricks expecting to go more deeper into the games. And I'm pretty sure he was injured last year. So, um yeah, I, I don't remember happened. what happened to him. I'm, it could have been like a blister. I don't remember what it was. Why Kyle yeah, missed some starts? Either, I can't. I can't think of off the top of my hand. But mm -hmm. uh, man, you're going to see Kyle Hendricks be a really good pitcher again. Uh, ground balls up the galore, uh, striking out people. High high night or high eighties, low nineties. I mean, just Greg Maddox stuff. And I mean, man, Kyle Hendricks is such a great stud. Dude, no, he is, man. The thing that gets me about Hendricks is no emotion ever. <laughs> he can, you know, he can get out of base and go to jam. He'll have his head down, walking down the line, and every, everyone at Wrigley's going nuts. But I mean, just just the type of guy he is. He's a great guy, dude. I've got this scene in my head with him on first base and laughing or smiling about something. And something happened yeah. last year where like he might have got hit by a pitch or got a hit or I don't remember what it was. Um, 
I'll have to save that one for next episode. But um, yeah, he doesn't crack a smile a whole lot at all. Um, I guess he got, maybe he got that from Jake. Thank you, Jake. You've raised a, a good set of uh, starters <laughs> over here in Chicago. So like the thanks right. just keeps coming, man. Well, Kyle, man, I guess we'll close this thing out, man. We're about at 39 minutes. Um, Absolutely. Oh, dude, I'm going to take two minutes of your time right now, and we're going to go ahead and record it. Dude, you were on TV, man, two weeks ago. I was. Can you tell me about this? So I couldn't watch the whole thing, obviously, because I'm in, like, North Carolina, but I watched the clip that you had posted on, like, Instagram, and it was phenomenal. Tell us where you were at and what you did. Yeah, so I went down to WGN. Uh, talked with uh, JP and you know all those guys at Sports Feed down in WGN. We talked everything Cubs. I, you know, I went down there. I have a buddy in uh, grad school down in Chicago, mm-hmm. right outside Oak Park, probably 10, 15 minutes outside the city. So we made a day of it. We went down to Wrigley. It was the most perfect day. It was 45 degrees, 50 degrees, mm-hmm. beautiful weather. So we took three or four hours just walking around the neighborhoods in Wrigley, talking about baseball, going in different shops you know, checking out, you know, all the construction that's going on, hitting up like three different places to eat. Because when I go down to Chicago, man, I love to eat their food, man. It's yeah. the best food you'll ever. So, where did, where did so you eat at, man? Uh, man, I can't think of the name, but it's uh, right across the street from Wrigley. Uh, nice sandwich shop. We had, um, I had a turkey sandwich. Yeah. It was filled with, coast, it was filled with coleslaw, fries. It was ridiculous. That's so, what's up, man. We, we ate one of we ate one of those. We ate yeah. some appetizers at another place. So, man, we, we made a day of it. Then we went down to um, WGN, which is a few, probably like three miles from Wrigley, not far. Okay. Uh, went on there, and we talked everything Cubs. It was a great experience not only for me, but it really soaked in that, man, you know, the support system that I've had through Cubs Live to make it this far, uh, you got to remember that I'm a guy, a lifelong fan with really no expectations when I started it, and I grew something out of nothing and made it something. So, uh, it's been a blast, and I'm I'm looking forward to maybe getting on there again. You know, they they said maybe during the season they'll want me on again. Dude, so, that would be uh, crazy, it man. It, it was a blast, and I'm very thankful for that opportunity and any opportunity that I get to talk Cubs like you or other podcasts. You know, you're really the first podcast that I started out with, and, yeah. you know, I've gained other podcast attraction, and I gained this TV appearance. So, you know, yeah, I want to thank you everyone else for really giving me the time to you know express and talk about this cubs outlook and giving me a platform to do so so without any of you guys man cubs live would be anything i'm just happy to provide the content for these followers these fans of fan analysis you know up to date you know updates and everything else it's been a blast and i'm so thankful for what it came to yeah man and one of the things you guys talked about was i think kyle schwarber was part of the segment right yeah yeah, making yep. that turnaround. But dude, you were cool, comma collected. If I had never, if I didn't know you and I watched that, I would be like, oh, this is just like another TV guy hanging out with uh, Walter Payton's son. And um, dude, you were like Kyle Hendricks on the mountain, basically, man. Like you were just like <laughs> super, like you were like just confident and stellar and stoked. And you're just like, yeah, I got this, man. Like you're basically like Stuart Scott, dude. I was like, damn it, man. But it was yeah. good, dude. It was great, man. Yeah, I. I appreciate that. You know, when I woke up that morning, I was kind of getting nervous. I was like, you know, putting on my tie and, you know, my sports jacket. And I was like, God, Dude, you know, this is actually happening. No so I'm starting to get nervous. 
And then I went down to Wrigley and I started periscoping uh, on Cubs Live and yeah. know, talking to talking to different followers on there. And I, you know, I felt a little more comfortable because just answering questions and kind of getting in that realm of being an outlook for the Cubs. And then when I got down to WGN and I got at the station and met everyone, I was starting to get nervous again. And then yeah. bam, the TV's on, the you know, the <laughs> camera starts rolling and I'm right there. And but, you know, I just made the best out of out of it. I, I tried to, you know, not let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Yeah, man. Joe Madison quote and um, just kind of have fun with it and, and it went well I, I'm very pleased with how well it went and everyone was cool down there they made me feel welcome and man it was a blast dude yeah man because you could see like the interview with you like all you guys talking like it was genuine conversation man like it flowed really good and I would have been a nervous wreck like I'm telling you like I would have been caking on deodorant like someone powder my face so they don't see the sweat. Like they'd be like, is this guy like hung over or something? Like why is he sweating so much? You know what I mean? But the conversation yeah. you guys had was like genuine, like natural conversation. And like that probably like was huge for you, man. Cause you honestly look like one of the boys, man. So congratulations on that whole thing, man. And I'm just pumped that um, you came back to this podcast, man. So, <laughs> dude, anytime you want to talk Cubs baseball, doesn't matter where I am or you know, let's say you know, let's say my girlfriend texts me and say, "Hey, I'm home alone, man. I'm turning that car around," and I'm saying, "Nope, got a podcast." <laughs> That's what's up. Oh yeah, man. You know, I'm always I'm always here to talk baseball with you, my man. Well, Kyle, it was a pleasure again, man. Kyle, you can find him on Twitter at Cubs underscore Live, and this is the greatest show on dirt, Kyle. Thanks for being on, man. Hey, thanks, Quentin.